Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. How many Christians miss out on one of the most important part of church? And that's worship. You know, quite often we call it a worship service, and there's a reason for that. We gather, we, you know, do your best to be undistracted, get here on time, and just worship the Lord. Because I've told you many times, and this isn't even my, my study, I'm going to do a whole study before the study. Um, worship is the therapy of heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to be spending all of our time worshiping the Lord. It's not going to be boring, trust me. And they won't need smoke and lights and all that stuff. We're going to have Jesus. He's the main attraction. And, and when you see the Lord, there's going to be nothing like just beholding his glory and worshiping him. And so this is dress rehearsal. Every time we meet for church, we're worshiping the Lord. And it's not just a rehearsal. It's the real thing too, okay? We come to worship the Lord. So please do that. And then by the time we get to the point where we're studying the word, your heart's all soft before him. And you're, you're just saying, oh Lord, speak and I'm listening. And you're ready for the word, see? So it all ties in together. I remember one time I, I w- was at a larger church and I had somebody, uh, I'd notice a friend of mine, he'd always come late, always. And I'd say, um, how come? He goes, I don't, I don't like the music part. I'm here for the study. The music part? What do you, that's not my kind of music. Learn to worship, even if it's not your style or whatever. We worship, anyway, don't get me started. I used to be a worship leader, so I've got, I got all kinds of prejudices about this. Listen, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. We're continuing through the Bible, and, and if you're new to Calvary Chapel, just so you know, we teach through the Bible. And as we hit topics, we hit topics because God put them there. And if they, we hit some topics often, it's because God wants you to hear about it often. If you only hear every now and then about certain topics, it's because you only need to hear about it now and then, okay? And so we're going through the Word. It keeps us Keeps us on course the way we need to be. So I, I decided to call after reading the text carefully to call today's message the death of the best brought life to the worst. You know what I'm talking about? I hope you never get tired of hearing about the cross of Christ. I hope you never get tired about hearing about Jesus. And I, I really believe that if, if every time we gathered all we did was talk about the cross of Christ, um, you should be excited. Lord, help us not to get bored in the Lord, or that, that some topics just get old. Now, matter of fact, it's interesting. I listened to one young preacher 
this week who talked about the book of Hebrews as a connect the dots kind of book. You ever play connect the dots? One, two, three, four, five, six, and before you know it, you drew a picture, you know? And I thought that was pretty clever because the whole point is Hebrews connects the dots of things you might miss through all the Old Testament you might miss, what is that all about? Why are they doing that? And this, this sacrifice and this, this uh, festival. And this, but when you connect all the dots, it paints a beautiful picture of Jesus. And that's what we're here to see today. We're here to see Jesus as we go through the book of Hebrews. We're more than halfway through, folks, so hurrah. And uh, listen, as Christians... We all love to talk about the principle of Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 principle. And let me read it to you for the New Living. I have to look at it because I have it memorized in the King James. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And if you really believe this, then that means whatever happens to you in life, you know God's in control. If you really believe this, that means that um, God could take any situation, even the ones that you go, oh no, and he could turn it for good, or he could bring good out of it. He could take the worst tragedy, the worst tragedy imaginable, and he could bring forth good from it. As a matter of fact, I can't think of any better example than the cross of Christ. There was Jesus hanging on the cross, and his disciples thought all is lost, all the multitudes that followed him and saw him do miracles, saw him raise the dead and turn to fit and multiply the fish and the bread and everything that he did, it's like, it's all for naught. It's all lost. And then the Romans 8.28 principle kicked in. They buried him. They saw him tortured. They thought it was over. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead and overcoming death and, and it... To me, it's the perfect, it's the best picture possible of Romans 8.28. If God can do it there, he can do it in every area of your life. Now, in today's text, we're going to see how the death of the best brought life to the worst of us. As a matter of fact, you know uh, a verse that I quote often, and every now and then I like to give it to you in a little bit different translation. Here, one paraphrase puts it like this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Christ was without sin, but for our sake... God made him share in our sin in order that in union with him we might share in his righteousness. Let me just start right out, spoiler alert, the whole reason Jesus died on the cross, it's much more than just forgiving your sin. It's for the divine swap. That God took all of your sin and all of the judgment that you deserve and he took it upon himself. All your guilt, all your shame, all the punishment, he took it upon himself and he was treated the way you and I deserve to be treated. So that whoever of us would trust in him, God took him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know the only way anybody ever gets to heaven? The divine swap. Jesus took my sin, was treated the way my sin deserves to be treated. He gives me his righteousness as I come to him in faith. And now I get to be treated as Christ deserves to be treated. Folks, we could just go home right now. That's it, okay? Because that's the best news I could give you. Though we're going to have an in-depth study of the Word, and we'll see how far I get today. But I'm telling you, 
I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's why you hear it from time to time. I thought I'd mix it up and give it in a paraphrase today. But it's the divine swap. It's the only way anybody gets to heaven. And if you haven't made that swap, if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior and recognized he died on the cross for your sins and surrendered your life to him, you need to do that. And my prayer is that by the end of our time together, you say, yes, Lord, I believe in Jesus. He died for me. Now I want to live for him. Father, that's what we pray right now, that you'd help us not to miss the main point. As we study the Bible, Lord Jesus, you're the one who even said, you search the scriptures because in them you believe you have eternal life, but those are the verses that talk about me. Jesus, help us to see you today. If there's anybody here in our midst who doesn't know you, may they come to know you this morning. If there's anybody here who's been away from you, Lord, convict and bring them back so that everyone here, no matter what their situation, would be drawn closer to the throne of God today. Lord, speak to us as we look at your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we left off on verse 15. We're going to back up a little bit. But listen, verse 16 has a few interesting things we've got to look at, and then we'll look at some context here. Uh, it says that where there is a testament, there must also be the necessity to be the death of a testator. Now, these are words you may not always use, but this word testament here, it actually, depending on your translation, and then depending on where it's used in the Bible, this Greek word actually has been translated testament or even covenant. In verse 15, it's translated covenant. It's translated new covenant, if you notice it in your Bibles. In verse 16, it's testament. In verse 17, again, for a testament is in force after men are dead. We're going to talk about this because actually it's talking about the last will and testament of Jesus. It's, and so that's what we're going to look at today, okay? It's a covenant that God made with us, but it's, it's Jesus' last will and testament. So I want to start right out with a fill-in. Your fill-in is this, to get some context. We've been learning that all the sacrifices and activities of the Jewish high priest and requirements of the Torah were simply shadows of the good things to come through Christ. Shadows that were of things that were going to come through Christ. Now, I want you to see this because you'll appreciate your uh, Old Testament much better when you understand the book of Hebrews. It'll, it'll connect the dots, so to speak, for you, okay? Now, to get the flow of the text we've been in, I want to back up a little bit and just read it to you. And I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. It's funny. Recently, I had somebody on, on Facebook. Uh, I was quoting New Living Translation, and they says, well, and you, you're really stooping. Something, something uh, insulting that you're quoting from New Living and NIV and all these other translations, as if I don't know if there's only one right translation of the Bible. I don't know where you all stand on it, but I tell you, I think the more translations you read, the better you could look at the different facets of the diamond. I love that we could pull up on our phone or our tablet or our laptop all these different translations. It works to our advantage. And the New Living Translation, by the way, let me just set the record clear. Because at first, I was, I was apologetic using it. And as I looked into it, I realized... It was translated by many scholars, and it's a very accurate translation. It's not a paraphrase. It's a translation. New Living, it sounds like, well, it's just one of those flip-flop things. 
a, some dad wrote for his kid. You know, that was the Living Bible. The New Living Bible, New Living Translation, it's good, okay? So let me read it to you now from verse 11 through 17 to get the flow of it in the New Living Translation, Hebrews 9, 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come and has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made with hands and not part of the, this created world, but with his own blood, not with the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Oh, I hope you're paying attention here. Verse 13, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. It was ceremonial. Verse 14, just think how much more the blood of Jesus will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that's why he is the one who mediates a new covenant. And there's, again, testament. That word could be used, testament, between God and people so that all who are called can receive eternal inheritance. God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Now, when someone leaves, now here it is. Here's our text we're going to be getting into today. Pay attention. When someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. You know how that's how that goes? <laughs> the will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. So really, there's a whole other take here that we're looking at. We really haven't looked at this aspect of the new covenant, old covenant. In essence, a last will and testament only takes effect when the person who made it dies. And therefore, Jesus had to die so that the last will and testament, or that same word covenant, could take effect. The new covenant. Now, Back up again, we're gonna, verse 16 is where we pick up, but I want to get the flow from verse 15 in our New King James. Uh, that's what I'm using, New King James. So look at verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant or testament by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal Inheritance. Now, as I looked at this text and I looked at more of the Greek and the different translations, there's something that you could really easily catch in our translation that we use here, New King James. So let me read it to you again from the New Living because it catches something that you could miss. That's why I'm reading Hebrews 9.15, New Living. That's why he's the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people Look at the last part of this. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they had committed under the first covenant. What I almost didn't catch here until I studied it and studied it again is that Christ's death was retroactive. That's what it's saying here. That he's paying for the sins of all those who under the first covenant, all they could offer is the blood of bulls and goats, animals, and it was just a covering. It was just a temporary picture. It was a shadow of what was to come in Christ. But Christ paid the real deal. 
He did the real thing. And all that they, all their practices of all of their, their rituals and all of their sacrifices, it was all looking ahead to Christ. And when Christ died on the cross for their sins, it was retroactive. It was paid because you'd been practicing for this. You've been rehearsing for this. And those transgressions were covered, by the way. If you, if you study the Old Testament, and I've told you before, the word atonement means covering. So in the Old Testament, they used the word atonement a lot. The blood covering. It covered their sins, but it didn't totally remove and, and cleanse them. They were covered by the blood of many sacrifices, but they weren't cleansed until the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, and it was retroactive. Now, it is finished. Remember the words he said on the cross? It is finished. It's kind of like what Paul said in Romans chapter 3. Let me read it to you. Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now look at this. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish, look at this, those who sinned in times past. It's retroactive. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. So it's all connected. Old Testament, New Testament, it's all fulfilled and connected in Christ. It goes on to say, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. How can we be made right with God? Well, you just got to not miss church. Nope, you just got to keep paying your tithes. Nope. Well, you, you jump through all the hoops. I've got all kinds of things you can't do. You can't drink this. You can't eat that. You can't smoke this. Nope. You know how you made right with God? Faith in Christ. Because Christ did it all. Oh, you know, it just sounds too easy. I tell you what, if God made it any harder, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd be able to, I wouldn't be able to do it, right? So I'm grateful for the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. And since Christ has accomplished this eternal redemption, we're able to share in an eternal inheritance. Now get the flow of today's text. We're going to read the next few verses, starting with verse 16. For the, where there's a testament, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator. For the testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, verse 18, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood, meaning it needed blood, and we'll talk about that in a moment. For Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law. He took the blood of the calves and goats with water, scarlet, wool, hyssop, all the requirements of the Old Testament. And he sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. Verse 20, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled the blood on both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. Blood, blood, blood. Everywhere you see him. Matter of fact, in your uh, shepherd to sheep, you might want to look at, read if you haven't read it already. Uh, I, I actually took it from one of my daily devotionals, and they were covering this blood topic in Hebrews, and I saved it for, the, for this very day because I thought that's, that's going to be a good shepherd to sheep. But under the old covenant... People and objects and everything that needed to be purified was purified by blood and sometimes water and fire. 
depending on the, the material. And this was, of course, all just ceremonial purification. It meant that the persons or objects were now acceptable to God, but ceremonial purification doesn't change the nature of anybody or anything. It's ceremonial, ceremonially clean. It can't change you from the inside out. That's why we need to be born again. That's why the new covenant, I'll make a new covenant with you, he said in Ezekiel, he said in Jeremiah, where I'm going to take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to write my laws on your heart. That's the new covenant. We need that. We need to be changed from the inside out. And so this purification didn't alter the nature of the person and God's principle, though, that blood must be shed before the sin can be forgiven. It's constant all through the Old and New Testament. Look at verse 22. Here we go again. And and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or no forgiveness of sin. Christianity, I heard one preacher once say, is a bloody religion. It's a bloody religion. Well, you could say that. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me. And it all goes back to God was warning us beforehand in the Old Testament. And back in Leviticus chapter 17, listen to this. For the life of the body is in the blood. I've given, it to you, I've given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for life that makes purification possible. So over and over again, we were told and we were, we were being prepped. For the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. All the Old Testament is prepping us for the matter of fact, I think I've told you many times the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It 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 finally just all makes sense. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It's just a foundational principle found throughout the scripture of how God dealt with mankind. Now it's funny, modern man, modern people think, how, how do you get forgiven? Well, you just forget about it. Yeah, just shake it off, forget about it. Or just let enough time go by. You might, you might forget, but that doesn't always make, bring forgiveness as time goes by. Sometimes you think, how do I get forgiveness? Well, good works. You've got to make up for it by good works. Whether it's between you and God or you or someone else, you got Give flowers, you know, <laughs> good works. Or, or sometimes people just think, well, they're dead now. There's nothing more we could do. Well, I tell you what, the death of Jesus is what really makes all the difference. So here's your next fill-in. I want to make sure you get this. Your next fill-in. By God's perfect standard, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. The words are the shedding of blood. It's Old Testament, New Testament. Only in the New Testament, no more sacrifices. It's all, it's all been done. And there is no perfect forgiveness without a perfect sacrifice. There's no perfect forgiveness without perfect sacrifice. You see, since God has ordained that remission of sins through the shedding of blood, and, and since purification comes through the sprinkling of blood, as we've seen it all throughout both Testaments, it's, it was necessary that blood be shed and applied if that new covenant was to be enforced. And, and it was all through the blood of Jesus. 
Are we connecting the dots? I hope you're saying we're connecting the dots that you see the picture. Everything that happened in the Old Testament, it was to show you a picture of Jesus. All the patterns of the past of the Old Covenant tabernacle uh, where there was purification through the sprinkling of blood. They were all shadows and types of the originals. The originals, uh, the blood of Jesus, not only purifies the, uh, the conscience of the believer, which I've already told you that, but also the heavenly realities. Uh, so here's your next villain. I got another, well wait, let's look at verse 23 because it relates to verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of things in heavens should be purified with these things. What were the copies? The tabernacle, the, 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 all of the objects in the tabernacle, everything, all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were just copies. It was necessary that the copies of these things, of the things in heavens, should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What's the better sacrifice? The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It's Jesus himself. It points you over and over again to Jesus. So here is your next villain. The earthly copies, you might have guessed it by now, the earthly copies were purified by copies. But the realities are purified by the real. If, if, as we've looked at many times, everything in the Old Testament was just dim shadows and types of what was the real in heaven, well then, what's the real? The real deal is Jesus died on a cross for our sins. His blood was shed for us. He ascended before, into heaven and his blood cleansed us and gave us eternal salvation. So verse 24, look. For, for Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, the tabernacle, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So you know what? Now our high priest, and we've been talking about this, all the offices of the Old Testament, they were all fulfilled now in Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. He goes before God for us. He is both the sacrifice and the high priest, and he took care of it all. Remember, I want to tell you again, when you get a chance, Read that uh, ICR devotional I put in your in the Shepherd of Sheep in the bulletin. It, it has some more great insights here. Um, now, verse 24 shows that the new covenant Christian has reality, not the copy. Matter of fact, did you catch it? That's your next fill-in. The new covenant Christian has reality. We're, we're not doing copies anymore. We got the real thing. We got Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.